word today. We're in a series that's going to last us a whole year. So I hope you're ready for it. Uh, the year of the Bible, which is good. We're going to be reading the Bible, which is good. And the Bible is going to change us, which is even better. And so uh, we're just taking portions out of our reading from last week. And, uh, and we're preaching out of certain portions. That's so uh, we just encourage you to read your Bible, the one-year Bible. If you have it on version, that's great. If you don't, if you want a printed Bible and you don't have one, we have them in the hub ready for you right now. Hot off the press, you can get them. And then you can just jump right in wherever we are. Try not to go back and get all messed up and condemned about not reading your Bible. Just read it. Just get with the program and watch what God will do. And not only that, when we preach on Sunday morning, you'll say, man, I just read that. Does that ever happen to you? I just read that. And uh, things will be great. So we're in our seventh week on this thing. And just wanted to encourage you today that all the scripture in the Bible is breathed from the breath of God. And it's all profitable for us. I mean, it's good for us. It corrects us. It instructs us in the way of righteousness. And so let the word of God do that. And today, let that word do that. Now, what we're gonna be sharing today, we've, in, we've entitled this message, End Time Preppers, okay? And when you say that, you get, you know, people got all kind of different ideas about that. But as we, as we looked at this portion of the scripture, we realized that it's about the end times. I wanna preface everything by saying this, that this is not a, a real in-depth teaching on eschatology, end time teachings. That's a big subject. A lot of controversy about that subject for many, many years. But what we are going to do is talk about you and I and what we're supposed to be like preparing ourselves for the end of the world as we know it. And we don't think about that very often, but Jesus spoke about it. As a matter of fact, as he got close to the cross, that's what he began to speak about. So we're going to pick it up in Matthew chapter 24 as we tell you what the end will look like because that's what his disciples asked him. They said in the, in the third verse, said, What's, what sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And that's a big question, isn't it? How are we going to know? What sign is going to do that? So we're just going to take you through what Jesus said. This is not what I say. This is not what you say. We didn't get it out of a commentary. Let's just read the words of Jesus and see what he says. He told them, he said, don't let anyone mislead you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. So end time says that there's gonna be false messiahs and that they're gonna deceive many, many people will be deceived. So I, I just started studying about false messiahs this past week and I realized, man, they've been around all the time. They're everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? And, and even some Christians just love to find false messiahs. They love to just spend all their time digging and finding false messiahs. And I'm spending all my time digging and finding the real messiah. That's, that's where my hope is. And so there's deception going to be there. And then he says, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. You hear that, Christians? Don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. So there's going to be all kinds of wars going on. There's going to be threats of wars happening, I think, at a much, much greater scale than what we have now. There's only really about 22 major conflicts all over the whole world right now. 
Verse seven says, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So there's gonna be natural upheavals going on, and I believe all of this is gonna be at a much greater degree than what we see now. There's always been earthquakes, but I believe it's gonna be escalated. Verse nine says, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. I think the fourth thing you're gonna look at is there gonna be much, much betrayal, much, much hatred. And, 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 and this is it. Look, now, let me explain something. Our hope is always to love everyone the church is here to serve people, to express Christ to people. But in that, as we're following him, Jesus said that people will hate us, persecute us, and want to kill us. And betray and hate each other, each other. Verse 11. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Number five, I think sin will be um, amped up, man. You know what I'm talking about? Really, really high, and I, I believe that a lot of people's love is gonna grow cold. They're gonna become very, very cynical and things are gonna happen that are not gonna be so good. Verse 29, immediately after the anguish of those days, notice the anguish of those days. You see, the day of the Lord coming is not gonna be a party. It's gonna be a bad day, folks, for the world. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, finally, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the people of the world, of the earth, all the people. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. I believe there's just going to be a supernatural eruption take place here, man. I believe, look, and you say, well, how, how's Jesus going to come back? The sky will open up. He will come just like a plane landing around here. You know, you hear the sound, you hear the sound. All of a sudden, out the clouds, there's this jet plane. He's going to come. We just, we sing it all the time. He's coming on the clouds. He's coming on the clouds. That's how Jesus is coming. He's going to burst through the sky and land on earth. The Bible says he's going to be on a horse. He doesn't need a helicopter or anything. He's coming on a horse, man. Hallelujah. The Lord's going to be stepping high on a, on a white stallion. That's all I know. You know what I mean? That's what he said he would do. So I'm just believing what he said. Supernatural eruption. And he will send out his angels with the, the mighty blast of a trumpet. We just sang that. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the Father's ends of the earth and heaven. All those that have died in Christ will be in heaven. All those that live for Christ will be on the earth. He's gathering us all together. I think this will be a great time, the gathering of the chosen. I think it's just going to be wonderful. If you think this is weird, 
Hang on. I know some people say, how can that happen? Trying to figure it out. I've quit trying to figure it out. I'm just saying, Jesus, come. I was just shouting there. Come on, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Verse 35, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. Only the father knows. This time is unknown. I'm not going to spend my whole life trying to figure out something that's unknown. And what makes us think that we're smarter than people back then? Oh, they didn't know because they didn't have all the technology we have and all the intelligence and all of the, you know, Watson, the computer. He's going to figure it out. Jesus said, nobody knows. Nobody knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like... It was in Noah's day, in those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. It's just going to be a regular day, like right now, like right this moment. If you're afraid of Jesus coming back this moment, It is an indication that your heart needs an adjustment immediately. That's just the way it is. You know, I don't wish it was another way. That's the way it is. If you fear the coming of Christ, your heart is not fully committed to Christ because that's the whole thing. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's some of our passwords. (laughs) Come quickly. Jesus is coming. All kinds of things like that. People try to hack our, our passwords. They love to get saved. There's another gospel in our passwords to get somebody saved, I believe. Verse 42. So you too must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Keep watch. Keep watch. Our big duty is to be watchful. That's our duty. And I was working on my car yesterday, which is a a miracle. (laughs) There are a few things I can do, but not many, but I'm working on it. And I was trying to reconcile what I'm going to preach right now with what I was doing then, because sometimes it gets very difficult to reconcile doing mundane things in life with the second coming of Christ. It's sometimes very difficult. I don't know if it is with you, but it is with me. It's like he's coming on the cloud and I can't get this screw to turn just right. (laughs) So how do we prep? I'll just give you a few ways that you can prep. You prep by being ready. You have to be ready, folks. You have to be ready. Followers of Christ have to be ready Jesus told parables that had meanings, earthly stories with spiritual meanings, and I would even say spiritual truths. He told one about a bridegroom and bridemaids, and we know that the bridegroom is Christ, and the bridemaids like the church and like people, and again, we're not going to split eschatological hairs today. We're just going to say we need to be ready. My pastor used to teach us about end times. He said, if you live right... When Jesus comes, you'll be all right. Now, that sounds simple to many, but you know what? That's what we need to live by. So you have to be ready. So Jesus illustrates the story of 10 bridesmaids, and this is what he says in the 25th chapter of Matthew. He said, the kingdom of heaven 
can be illustrated by the story of 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. They had their lamp, they had a little can of oil. Contrasts wise people from foolish people. Contracts people who are ready for everything and people who are not ready. You see, the mindset today for a lot of people is Jesus is not coming. But I thank God that there's the mindset of many who are saying, I'm living this life, but I've got one eye turned towards Christ's return. Oil, they had oil. And oil in the scriptures always speaks of the Holy Spirit, of course, but it also speaks of light. You read this week that Aaron and his sons were given the responsibility to keep the oil, the lampstand in the tabernacle, the temporary house of God. They had to keep it lit all the time, day and night, man. Look, don't let it go out. It's got to keep going. Back then, fire had to keep going all the time. What like us, they would just get a little butane lighter and we light a fire. Back then, you had to keep the fire going all the time, tending the fire, the fire tenders, watching and ready and being prepared. It speaks of the power and the light of God. It speaks of being mindful of eternal things over temporal things. Keeping your fire burning, keeping your relationship with God right, keeping your heart right, staying in tune with God, being ready, being ready. You see, we, somehow or another we think that when he comes, if we're not ready, all of a sudden he's going to snap his fingers and say, presto, change you, and you're going to be ready, but you're not going to be ready. We have to be ready. And these bridegrooms, you know, they didn't think ahead of time. They just were like some of you this morning. At one minute and 13 seconds before service started, you were still driving past my office. Not even in a hurry. Come on now. Hey, look. Hey, I love you. You know, it's all right. Don't, don't get all, don't all condemned. But it was a great illustration. I thought, great point for the sermon. People not in, in a hurry, not hurry to be prepared. Just, well, I guess, you know, but what, what, well, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. When the bridegroom was delayed, in other words, it didn't turn out the way they thought it would. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All of the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourself. My goodness. Walmart was not open. <laughs> but while they were gone to buy all, all over town, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. It says he delayed. There's delays all in life. Matter of fact, life is one giant delay. Once you meet Christ, life is one giant delay. It's like I know Christ, he knows me, I'm forgiven. Hey, I'm ready to be with you, Lord Jesus. Just gotta wait. A year, five years, we've been waiting 37 years. Some people wait their whole life and die and they're still waiting right now. It's like, Jesus, are you coming back? And some people are scoffing and saying, it's, he's never coming back. He's never coming back. And Peter fixed that. He said, you know what? The Lord is not slacking his promises, as some people count slackness, but he is long-suffering, loving people, and waiting for people to repent. So I don't understand God's delays as far as I'm concerned. Let's go right now. The only thing I would miss on this earth is a little time and my family. 
I love my family. I'd like to see my great-grandkids and things like that. But if I wouldn't, I think it'd be all right once you're in the place of Jesus. Say, well, people die young. Christians die young. I don't understand. Look, all they missed was a few years on this earth. That's all. And compared to eternity, it's nothing. They were delayed. See, delays cause people to disbelieve or to unbelieve sometimes. I've seen that for years now. It doesn't work out. There's a delay. It didn't happen. I have no answer to prayer. I don't know. Somebody said this, did that, did that. Divorce, all this kind of stuff. Death in the family, financial crisis, all this. And they get, they get delayed and they leave Christ. They leave him. But his mercy is here in the delay. Later, when the other five bridegrooms returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch. There's the second time. You must keep watch for you do not know the day and hour of my return. Another time, twice, in just these few verses, he's saying, watch, because you don't know. The door was shut. The judgment is set. Once the door is closed, there's no more getting in. God is merciful now. Mercy is triumphing over his judgment now. But one day the judgment will come and then the door will be shut and then no one will be able to get in, even if they know they should have got in, even though they wish they would have got in, even though they regret they didn't get in, they won't get in, the door is shut. And when God closes the door, nobody opens the door. The ark was shut and that was it and the rain came down and I imagine some people were screaming when the water kept rising, but the judgment was set. So we, we prep by being ready with our hearts and our lives. We also prep by working. We have to be working. Jesus continues in Matthew chapter 25. He tells another parable. And he says this. He says, there was a businessman who went on a trip and he called three of his servants to him. And to one of them, he gave five talents. Let's just say five dollars. To another, he gave two dollars. And to another, he gave one dollar Jesus said he gave it to them according to their ability. In other words, he knew their ability. And so one, five, one, two, one, one. And so the, 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 he took his trip and then he came back. And when he came back, he went to the first guy, called him in his office, said, hey, bro, I gave you five bucks. What's up? Tell me about my money. He said, well, look, I invested it and here's five more. So here's 10. You gave me five, here's 10. He said, great job. Come on, let's have a party. He called the second guy in his office. He said, well, what's up? He said, you gave me $2, here's two more, here's $4. He said, man, you did a great job. Come on in, let's have a party. He called the third guy in that he gave one to. Remember, according to his ability, the guy said, you know what? He said, tell me about my money. I gave you one, where are we at with this, bro? I mean, he was, he was looking to get at least two. And the guy said, I knew who you were. I knew how you did business. I knew that you harvested crops that you didn't, you didn't, you didn't plant, and he said, I know, you rough, you tough. So I was afraid, and so I buried it in the ground, but I still have your one right here. Here it is. And the master said, you're a wicked, lazy servant. Man, what a thing. Now, Jesus, it's a parable, but it has a, a meaning for people. It's not just talking about a story far away. It has a meaning for us. And so he said, man, you just, you, you are wicked. You are, you so wicked. Look what he said here in the 26th verse. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you, don't, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Yeah, about a quarter of a cent. <laughs> then he ordered, 
take the money from this servant. Oh, here it is, folks. This is where some folks, they just fall right off the log here. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, what do we do with a, what do we do with a story like this? What, if all scripture is given for inspiration and correction and instruction and in righteousness, what do we as people do with scripture like this? And well, it's obvious that God has given every one of us in this room abilities, giftings. You think you don't have any, but you do. He's given everyone some kind of passion, and I believe diligence is required here. We need to find out what that is. That's why we help you with the growth track. The growth track helps you discover what you're passionate about. It gets you started on a journey. And some people just say, ah, what's that? How long have you been? I've been here five years. Uh, have you been through the growth track? What's the growth track? We announce it every Sunday. You've heard it 412 times. You ought to be able to repeat it and do the announcement. You got to find your talent. You have to, it, it, it takes diligence. You got to, hey, you can't sit anymore. Jesus is coming. I think also everyone is going to be held accountable for what they do with what they've been given. You say, well, if I don't discover it, I won't be held accountable. <laughs> That's where you're wrong. Ignorance. I, I didn't know what the speed limit was. That'll be $287, sir. <laughs> Everyone is held accountable. A responsibility to use their gifts and talents and passions in advancing the kingdom of God, in advancing the kingdom, not my kingdom. I don't have a kingdom. I'm not a king. I don't have an agenda. There's no agenda. The gift wasn't given to exalt me. The gift has been given to advance the cause of Jesus. That's what the gift is for. Man, if you up on your gift and got it on the shelf in your house, your little gift, you need to take it down and use it. Some people have catcher's mitts in the top of their closet. You ain't gonna catch no pitch with a glove in the top of the closet. Commitment is required here. And commitment for a long time, folks. Listen to me. For a very long time. Say, how long do I serve your whole life until you have no more energy left and you're old and tired and wore slap out to nothing? Then you can sit on the sideline. Other than that, we've got a job to do. And I'm sorry if people don't like to work in the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is a place where we do the work of the Lord until he comes for a long time. With joy, by the way, and great expectation. Great expectation. You're going to find out why in a minute. And then everyone will be rewarded for what they have done with their talents. You know, I looked up the word reward, and I looked up the opposite of reward. And you know what the opposite of the anonym of reward is? Take away. And that's exactly what Jesus said about this wicked servant. He said, take away what he has. Take it away. Use it or lose it. Evidently, that's the economy of God. Use it or lose it. But then when you use it, it's multiplied. Isn't that great? 
That's why you say, well, I, all I know I do is park cars. Well, all I knew how to do when we started was pick up sticks in the parking lot. And then I got it promoted to operating the overhead projector and turning the lights off in the building. But I was faithful. I'm turning these lights off. I don't care if Sister Long, Long Talk stays there till midnight <laughs> in the corner ministering. I'm at the light switch <laughs> waiting for her to leave. <laughs> I got the family in the car, sister. But evidently, God said, you know, when you're faithful in picking up sticks and turning on lights, maybe you can teach a Sunday school class. And I see you've been faithful in that for four and a half years every Sunday, not miss one time, even when your wife had a baby. So maybe you can preach. I'm just saying that's the way it works, I think. I don't know any other way. God steers moving vehicles all the time. And so how do we prep? We prep for the reward. We prep by being blessed. By being blessed. 34th verse. We're going to get into it in a minute. Watch what happens. He tells another story. He says when Jesus comes back, he's going to take all the nations and he's going to put them in front of him and he's going to put all the goats on the left and all the sheep on the right. I don't know if it stays right or you're right. I don't know, but just be right. And I don't know what it has to do with the left and the right. Today, that means a lot of things. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm not sure. I don't know. But I do know this, that it's going to be a solemn moment, man, because I think some people who think that their sheep might be a goat, I'm not sure. I just think it might be that way. And so this is what Jesus said. Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Now, Why? Why did that happen? Why would they, what, what is the sheep? What is, and and he, he, he tells in the, in the parable, he said, this is what happened, folks. He said, when I was naked, when I was hungry, when I was in jail, when I was sick, when I had problems, you visited me, you helped me, you, you served me. And, and, and the wonderful attitude of the sheep is this, and I love that. He said, Lord, when were you sick? We didn't, we didn't. So, so wonderfully naive to their service that they didn't even understand. And he said, well, you know, what you've done to the least of the people you've done to me. So come on into the kingdom. It's been prepared since the creation of the world. Come on in. That's going to be a good day. That's when things turn around. That's when the party starts, you understand. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a great feast. It's going to be wonderful. But then he turns to those on his left side. And he says, In the 45th verse, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me, and they will go away into eternal judgment, punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. What a solemn moment. You see, these guys, they said the same thing, but I don't think it was the same attitude. They said, well, Lord, when, when did we do that to you? When, when did we see you? We never see you. He said, oh, yes, oh, you knew it. 
The apostle Paul was told by Jesus on the road to Damascus when he was knocked down, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul knew exactly what he was talking about. It wasn't a question. Jesus said, because if you're persecuting the church, you're persecuting me. What you do to my church, you do to me. Hear, hear me, folks. Look, you know, again, we're not splitting hairs here. We're just talking about being ready, being blessed, man. You want to be blessed? Well, then, come on, have a heart for God. Exhibit it as a heart for people. Did you hear what I said? Matter of fact, it is the way it is. The two is greatest commandments. Let's do a quiz. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength, right? And what is the second commandment, which is just like the first? Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't separate the two. You can't say, I love God, but I don't love people. I will serve God, but I won't serve people. Now, don't get in all kind of bondage and think you've got to be in the, the hospital ministry and the, and the jail ministry and, uh, and the feed ministry. and all. No, that's not what it's talking about. As a matter of fact, we need to quit relying upon institutionalized systems only. Notice how I use that word only to fulfill the cause of Christ. If all you're waiting for is the church to come up with a gimmick that you can get show up five minutes late to, come on now, <laughs> and serve and leave a half hour early. No, no, come on now. How about this? Find somebody that you're living by, somebody that you're acquainted with that you know that have any, and just go meet it and don't tell nobody. And be like those who said, Lord, when did we, when did we buy you a gift card? When did we uh, buy two tires for the back of your car? Lord, when did we get? When did we bring you groceries? Lord, when did we visit you in the nursing home and just sit and listen to you talk? We cannot institutionalize and systematically give people everything they need to do to serve Jesus properly. We got to have some personal oomph in it. I think it's, you know, it's hard to become hard-hearted. It's, it's real hard. It's real easy to become hard-hearted, you know, just, man, to get there and just become cynical and just look at people and say the whole world's pitiful and everybody's this and that. But you know what? Jesus wants us to do it that way. So this is what I want to share with you. I just want to give you just a few things. We don't even have it up on the screen because I just put this in my notes. I think there needs to be an end-time prepper attitude. I'm talking about believers here, folks. I'm talking about people who trust Jesus because when they persecute you, hate you, and kill you, there's no physical weapons. Jesus is not talking about physical weapons here. You know, he's not talking about what you can store up stuff. Look, when the moon starts falling and the stars, look, storing up ain't going to make it, folks. Now, you store up, or you can store up, it's good, it's okay. You know, I mean, fine. Just give me some if we get in trouble. Because I ain't storing up nothing. I got a pantry at my house this wide, six feet tall, got four cans of beans in it. That's all I got. I mean, I, I ain't got nothing. I'm coming to your house. I think number one, just three things real quick for you to take home. You have to have peace. Don't panic, Jesus said. Folks, quit panicking. Listen to me. Quit your panicking 
your political panicking. Stop it. We trust Jesus. We're not idiots, but we trust Jesus. He is the king and commander in chief. All right, number two. Go ahead. By the way, we're not ignorant to our culture or our systems that our government is operating in. We're not, we don't have our head in the sand. Not that I'm just talking about priorities, which is number two, priority. Prioritize how you spend your life. Folks, listen to me. Prioritize how you raise your kids. Let church life trump the rest of your life, for your kids especially. Show them that it's more valuable to be part of the living body of Christ rather than the other things that are offered. It's priority. I'm not saying don't do anything, but prioritize things. I'm, I'm thankful that I raised three kids that, that love the church. They don't hate the church after being a pastor's kid, you know. Not hard to hate the church after being a pastor's kid. Some pastors, we have a good church. But there has to be priority if we're going to spend our life looking for Jesus coming. Store it for yourself treasures in heaven. And number, th- number three, you, you have to position yourself to be used by the Lord, whether you pray whether you preach or whether you are persecuted, you want to be used by God. I'm, sa- I'm a satisfied man. I'm almost 65 years old. I've had a good life, really. I'm in a great ministry. I'm in a great church filled with great people. I mean, really. But I want to be positioned for the coming of Jesus. One pastor told me one time, he said, whether he comes or calls me, I'm going to be ready. You know what I'm talking about? We can't be the type of person that says, I'm just going to live any kind of old way, and when he comes, everything smooths out. I want to tell you how you leave this earth is how you enter eternity. You must understand that. There's not going to be some quick change, presto changeo, you know, magic trick that though I've not been right with God, all of a sudden glorified and everything's cool. I'm not sure how Jesus is going to work it all out, and I'm glad it's his plan and not mine. But, folks, we've got to have peace. We've got to have priority, and we've got to be positioned. Work your job, build your house, run your car, play your sports, but with everything that you do, position yourself always with one eye peeled to the eastern sky because the day will come when you least expect it. That sky will open up and there he will be. Jesus Christ, the king, coming on the clouds of glory in great power and great authority like this earth has never seen before. An all-knowing perfect light that even Moses could not look on the face of Jesus. And even Moses, as we read this morning, when he left the presence of God, his face was glowing, but he never saw the face of God. But the face of God is coming on the clouds. You understand? And you don't want to be ashamed when that face appears. 
You want to, as, as Peter said, you want to be open-faced with a glorious entrance into the kingdom of God. Amen? Isn't that it? Isn't that what you want? That's what we want. So today, the believer in this room has been challenged and kind of shaken, instructed, corrected. Come on. That we keep our priorities right. But then there's some of you in this room that you're, you're not really believers. And the only way I, I know how to ask you this is that if Jesus appeared today and stood before you and asked you with an all-knowing eye, with a complete mind that just pierces through like x-ray vision that knows everything in your heart, when he would ask you, are you my follower? If your answer could not be, yes, Lord, I am your follower. You know what I mean? I am alone in only your righteousness. If you can't say that, then I want to give you opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as the personal Lord and Savior of your personal life individually because that is the only safeguard from eternity without God. He is the only key to the door, the only key that unlocks eternity. Jesus Christ, the only one. Let's bow our heads together right now. Can we do that just for a moment and get along with God? It doesn't take but one second to know whether or not you're truly following Jesus or not. Whether you call yourself a Christian, you've been in church, been in small group, doesn't matter. If you're not following Jesus, I want to pray for you right where you are, and I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand up right now while everybody's got their eyes closed. You just lift your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me right where I am. Right where I am, Lord, I, I want Jesus right now. I am not prepared. There's a lady there. Thank you. I am not prepared. Shoot that hand up. There's another lady there. Thank you. One there. Thank you. Another here. Thank you. Thank you. Right up here, sir. Thank you. Over here to my left. Thank you. Come on. Over here to all the way to my left. Thank you. Come on. Just shoot it up. Put it right back down. If you're not ready to face Jesus, thank you, ma'am. Doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. There's another one to my left here. Come on. Just shoot your hand up. I don't care if you're in the front or the back of the room. That right here in the front. Thank you. Over there in the back. Two more. Thank you. More here to my left. When you raise your hand, your heart opened up. God sees that. There's nothing magical about it. God wants to just meet with you and he wants to forgive you of your sin because sin separates us from God. We're gonna pray a prayer. As I pray, I want you to pray along with me. Come on, your heart is open. Just pray. Just talk to him who loves you, who died for you, who's coming back for you. You're getting ready to switch sides. Be ready for a great change in your life. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for forgiving me of my sin. I thank you for cleansing me of all the unrighteousness. I thank you for receiving me into your kingdom, Lord. I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord today. I confess, Father, that Jesus died for me and that he rose again. And I thank you, Lord, that he's going to come back for me one day. I give you my whole life. I commit to you to serve you, Father. For the rest of my life, I am yours. Teach me, change me, lead me and guide me 
through the rest of my life. And I thank you, Lord God, for accepting me today as I have accepted what Jesus did for me. Amen and amen and amen. Come on. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.